The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 4, Of Creation, Paragraph 1. It pleased God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, for the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness, in the beginning, to create or make of nothing the world and all things therein, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days, and all very good. As we begin today, let me take this opportunity to thank you all for continuing to subscribe to the podcast and to listen to our weekly output. Over these past few weeks, the podcasts have not been as regular as we had hoped, simply because of Christmas and turkey dinners and other such things. From now on, by the grace of God, our podcast schedule will return to weekly Saturday morning stroke afternoon downloads for your listening pleasure. But let me wish you all a very happy new year, and we pray indeed by the grace of God that we would grow in Christ's likeness in 2019. But it is the new year, it is 2019 today, the 7th of January in this brand new year, And perhaps with this new year, there is a desire in your little heart for a brand new you. This is the time of the year where we decide to give up chocolate. The time of the year where we promise we will walk our 10,000 Fitbit steps every single day. Or perhaps tonight, just before bed, as you are watching some handsome American on a TV shopping channel try to sell you some fitness equipment, You believe that this is going to be the year that you will achieve that 6-pack, 8-pack, 12-pack, whatever sort of pack. But friends, our episode today does not concern ourselves with your 6-pack, but it does concern ourselves with God creating something new, creating something wonderful. And he didn't do it with the help of a shiny white-toothed American on a late-night Sky Channel. Instead, he was able to create everything that ever has been made, and he has created it out of nothing. As Reformed Christians, we believe that God is the creator of all things, and that is outlined clearly for us in chapter 4 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. It begins by saying that it pleased God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost to create. This is something that often we forget, or perhaps don't even know. But creation is a work of the triune God. We've already spoken on this podcast about who God is and what he is like. He is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Three persons, all equal. And creation is not just a work of the Father or the Son or the Spirit. It is a work of our triune God. 
Paul says in Romans 11 and verse 36, For from him and through him and to him are all things, and to him be glory forever. And we see this work continuing in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 6. Again, Paul writes, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. And Paul again in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2 says, In these last days God has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The confession, and indeed scripture, is clear, that the creation is a work of the triune God. And we see it clearly in Genesis chapter 1, in the very opening verses of God's word. We read, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Here in these opening three verses, we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see the Father creating, the Spirit hovering over the face of the waters, and the Son, the Word of God, spoken. Let there be light. And there was light. And so just as in salvation where the Father chooses those who will be saved, the Son lays down his life for those who will be saved, and the Spirit breathes life into spiritually dead individuals, so we see in creation that it is a work of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But why did God create all of these things? Why are there stars in the sky and fish in the sea and mountains in their place? Well, paragraph 4 tells us the reason. It pleased God, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost to create, and he did it for the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom, and goodness. God did not create because he needed us. He didn't create everything because he was lonely. It wasn't because one day he decided he had nothing better to do. The confession tells us that God created to show us the glory of his power, wisdom and goodness. Again, this was not an invention of the Westminster Divines. This is an entirely biblical concept. In Psalm 19 and verse 1, we read that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. If you like, creation is a sermon, it is an address, it is a proclamation of the greatness and the glory of God. And Paul says something similar in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20. He says God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Therefore, says Paul, every one of us is without excuse. So you can step outside your house today and you can see in creation the eternal power and divine nature of our God. As the sun beats down on your face, as you marvel at the beauty of creation as you walk your dog along the beach, even on a cold, bitter winter's night as you look up into the sky and you marvel at the beauty of the stars, all of this displays the glory of the power, wisdom and goodness of God. He did not make the stars for the sake of it, and he did not make us because he was lacking. God made everything 
for the manifestation of the glory of his eternal power, wisdom and goodness. It is he who made the earth by his power, we read in Jeremiah 10 and verse 12, and who established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. And the psalmist in Psalm 104 verse 24 says, O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom have you made them all, and the earth is full of your creatures. God creates to show us who he is, not to add something to himself that is lacking. So we have seen that creation is a work of the triune God, and we have realized that God has made everything for the manifestation of the glory of his power, wisdom, and goodness. But how did God create? Well, paragraph 1 of chapter 4 tells us, In the beginning, God created or made everything out of nothing. He made the world and all things therein, whether visible or invisible, in the space of six days, and all very good. We will work our way through this wonderful sentence of truth. Firstly, to say that in the beginning God created or made everything out of nothing. Today, if you wish to impress your granny over supper, you can tell her that creation is ex nihilo, E-X-N-I-H-I-L-O. God has created ex out of nihilo, nothing. The Lord did not go to a shop or a warehouse. He did not gather all the constituent parts of creation together and then mix them all up. Our God spoke, and it was. He created everything out of nothing. There was nothing in existence except the Lord himself, and he himself was not created. He is eternal. But this eternal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, has created everything and everyone you have ever known or seen or understood, and he has made it out of nothing. Paul says this in Hebrews 11 and verse 3. By faith, he writes, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God spoke into the darkness and created the light. And this should be something that causes us in these opening days of 2018 to stop, pause and worship. The Lord has built everything, the tiniest cells, the building blocks of life, the greatest, grandest mountains, the stars in the sky, the universe and everything in it has been made by the word of God. Creation was out of nothing. Our eternal God spoke and it was. And there's much that we can see today and much that causes our human eyesight to marvel. One of the greatest moments of my life was when I had the pleasure of visiting the Grand Canyon back in 2004. We were driving along a road and suddenly there before us was this marvellous sight that I'd only seen previously in pictures. The Grand Canyon took my breath away and I stood for several moments just trying to take it in and marvelling at the wonder of God's creation. But not only has God made the Grand Canyon and everything else that we can see, but God has also made everything that we can't see. The confession states that God has made out of nothing the world and all things therein, whether visible or invisible. As I try to teach this to children at my local primary school, one of the invisible things that I teach them 
is the fact that the air we breathe is unseen. And yet the very fact that I am speaking to you and you are breathing and listening, or at least I hope you are, it's because the Lord has made the air. We can't see it unless it's an incredibly cold winter's day, but it exists. It is there, and every breath is by the grace of God. But more than that, as Paul says in Colossians 1 verses 16 to 17, by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Christ and for Christ. Whether we can see it or not, whether we can understand it or not, anything that has ever been created was made out of nothing by the word of God, things seen and things unseen. I think a good example of this can be found in the book of Jude. Jude, of course, has one chapter. So in chapter 1 and verse 9, we read, But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Here in the book of Jude, we get a little glimpse into the unseen spiritual realities of this world. I do not pretend to understand fully this verse or understand exactly what was going on between the archangel Michael and Satan, the evil one, the devil. But it happened. It is true. It exists. There are spiritual realities that we cannot see. But here our confession makes it clear. We may not be able to see them, but God has made them. And I think as we have mentioned here, the devil, it is important to note as well, that the devil was part of creation. The devil is not God's rival. He does not have the power, authority, abilities of God. Our God is in all places. Satan is not. Our God is all-knowing, but Satan is not. We see here in this verse in the book of Jude that the archangel Michael and the devil himself are part of this invisible created order. The devil is not and has never been the boss. God, the creator, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is the one who has called into existence everything that ever has been made, whether seen or unseen. As we read in Psalm 33 in verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. And so we have considered in this short passage that creation is a work of the triune God. He has done it for the manifestation of his power, wisdom, and goodness. And in the beginning, he made everything out of nothing, everything in this world and in this universe that we can see and everything that we can't see. And as the paragraph comes to a close, we marvel because it tells us clearly that God did this in the space of six days. There's a saying that is often quoted that Rome wasn't built in a day. And that, of course, is certainly very true. The late great Brian Clough used to say that that's because he wasn't involved in that job. But Brian Clough couldn't have built Rome in a day. And certainly not a single one of us could create in six days everything that God has made. We marvel at this wonderful truth. It humbles us. We see God's power, his majesty, his wisdom, and his might. And as we read the opening chapter of Genesis, we see those first days divided up into six. And God is working powerfully to make everything that is seen and unseen. 
There is much debate and discussion today, both inside and outside the church, about the age of the earth and whether these days are literal or not. For my own account, I believe the natural reading of Genesis 1 is that these are literal 24-hour days. Six of them in total, with God resting on the seventh, and I believe that this is the natural reading of Scripture. Today I do not want to fight and argue with you if you take a different approach on that, but those of us who have subscribed to the Westminster Confession of Faith confess this truth. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11, for example, we read, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so every single week of our lives is a reason to rejoice. After Christmas in our house we have all experienced a little bit of the post-Christmas blues, where the Christmas holidays have come and gone. Everyone is back to work and back to school and back to porridge as the old saying goes. And sometimes when I am a little bit down in the mouth, my good lady wife always reminds me that if we don't go through Christmas and New Year, then there can't be a half term, there can't be an Easter, there can't be a summer holiday. She is always reminding me that there is wonder still to come, great days that lie ahead of us by the grace of God. And I agree with her. And even, I would say, on this week as we begin on the 7th of January 2019, We might wonder if there's anything to look forward to this week. The nights are dark, the weather is cold, Christmas is over, and we've already broken every single one of our New Year's resolutions. My friends, this week, and every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every single one of these days, every routine day that is ours left to live, shows us that our God is good. He has made everything well for the manifestation of the glory of his power, wisdom and goodness. He did it in six days and entered into rest on the seventh. So whilst this week may not have much for you to look forward to, it may not have any birthday parties or big dinners like you enjoyed two weeks ago at Christmas, this week rejoice every single day that in the space of six days, God made everything This paragraph ends by telling us the simple truth, the biblical truth, that God made everything very good. It wasn't a half-hearted creation. And as we read through Genesis chapter 1, at every turn the Lord looks at his creation and declares it good. In verse 4, God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. In verse 10, God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. In verse 12, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. We could continue. On multiple occasions throughout that first chapter, God looks and God declares that his creation is very good. Friends, we will talk in next week's episode about humanity. We were created too, and the Lord created us in a very specific way. And we will speak soon about our rebellion, our sin, and how everything has been transformed by the rebellion of humanity. But in the beginning, in those glorious, wonderful six days, God worked, God spoke, 
God manifested his power, wisdom, and goodness. He made everything that we can see and everything that we can't see. And all of it was very good. Today, before we run off and debate the age of the earth or the length of the days and start arguments with fellow Christians and perhaps divide and fight over the ins and outs of creation, I pray that instead we would stop and marvel and humble ourselves about these wonderful truths. For after all, as the Lord speaks in Job 38, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you, says the Lord, when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Friends, we were not there. We can only marvel at God's creation. But in these opening days of 2019, I pray that we will spend time singing for joy in praise and worship of our Lord, who has made all things well. As always today, we have some questions for you to consider before you go. Question one. Prove biblically that creation is a work of the triune God. Question 2. According to this paragraph of the Westminster Confession, what is the purpose of creation? Question 3. Is it true to say that creation completes something which is lacking in God? Support your answer biblically. Question 4. What does it mean when we speak of God creating ex nihilo? Question 5. What are some of the unseen things that God has created? And question 6. How does the structure of every single week help us appreciate creation and drive us to worship? That's all for today, but this episode is dedicated to Nikki Scott, who on Christmas Eve was considering God's eternal decree, and Patty Smith, who has been desperately and patiently waiting for this episode. Thanks for the support, guys. We trust you and everyone else listening today will have a wonderful and joyous 2019. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until next time, this we confess.